I want you to open your Bible over to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. As we continue our series, God, Your Family, and You. This is part three. Today we're talking about the path of submission. The path of submission. Marriage in the home is a spiritual issue, not just a social one. Now, I want us to understand this. This is why, from God's perspective, it, it begins with him and it continues with him. He is the creator of the home. He is the creator of marriage. He is the creator of family. God never intended, now listen, because it lets you know how far we've drifted. God never intended to be excluded from the people involved in marriage or the family. He intended to be in the middle of the marriage. He intended to be in the middle of the family and never without that. Now, does that mean that two people cannot get married and have a relatively successful marriage? No, they can. It happens. There's no question about that. But if they do have that in a biblical sense, it's because they've taken the principles that God has given and whether they know it or not, they have applied those things. Okay, and there are some religious homes where people are not saved and yet they have honored the principles, the proper roles and so forth, and God has honored those principles in their marriages, okay? So the path of submission, again, marriage in the home is a spiritual issue, not just a social one. Now we saw last week four foundational truths there needs to be to have the home the way God intended it to be. And really, it's before we even get to the home, before we even get to marriage. These are life principles. Number one, there needs to be salvation. Salvation. Have you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone as your savior? Do you know you have eternal life through faith alone in Christ alone? Apart from works, are you saved? Do you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you? If you're saved, you have him in you, okay? Do you know that you have eternal life? Secondly, there needs to be absolute faith and confidence in the word of God. Absolute faith and confidence in the word of God. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. God's way should be, in our minds, the only way, and therefore we want to know what God has to say, and we are going to follow the pattern God has given us, regardless, folks, of how difficult it is, regardless of whether our spouse is living up to their responsibility and their role, regardless of how much pushback you may be getting from your children in your family. We are going to serve the Lord. We are going to follow his pattern. That's what walking by faith is all about, by the way. And then third, submission to the will of God once and for all. A, a submission, a dedication, a yielding to God's way for our lives. It's a commitment. Joshua said in Joshua 24, 15, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see, there was a choice, a deliberate choice that is made there. For our lives as, as Christians, once we are saved, not to be saved, 
but because we are saved, we should have a time in our lives where we say to the Lord, Lord, I know I'm saved by grace through faith in Christ. I know I have eternal life, but Lord, I want my life to count for you. Therefore, I dedicate my life to you. I yield my life. I present my life to you for you to take my life and make of it what you would have me to be. Now, folks, if you haven't done that, you're missing God's best for you. There needs to be that. And then lastly, there needs to be a lifelong commitment to the will of God, regardless of the circumstances. So not only that initial decision after we're saved to yield our lives and present our lives to the Lord to live for him, but now a carrying out of that decision that we made sometime in our lives. And as we do that, and as we are committed to the Lord as believers to do it God's way, to live God's way, we will see and experience God's best. Does that mean there'll never be trouble? No, there'll be problems because we're all sinners. We still have a sin nature. We still do sin. We still do get selfish. We still do make mistakes. We can get ugly at times, okay? And it has nothing to do with makeup or combing your hair, okay? We just get ugly as people sometimes. But nevertheless, God's ways are true. So we are going to focus on the fourth foundational truth today, and we see it in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, which is really the living out of the decision we made. It says in Ephesians 5, 18, now I want you to know, we are covering today, not in minute detail, we're only going to cover part of it because of time. This is the key passage in all the Bible having to do with marriage. And I want you to know, very important, before we ever get to the issues of marriage, there are spiritual decisions that must be made. It isn't just you jump into it and say, okay, I'm just going to try my best. No, 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 no. It won't be what it needs to be. We need the power of God himself, the Holy Spirit who lives in us. We need to be under his control to be the way we should be. And so that is before we ever get to the responsibilities and roles. And when I say roles, I'm not talking about Danish, okay? Ephesians 5, verse 18, it says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, okay? Something we often don't remember is that the Lord himself is the one who gives us the power to be the right kind of marriage partner. It is God who gives us the power. It is through the filling of the Holy Spirit that we have the power of God and the control that God wants us to have. Now, the word be filled with means be under the control of, just like, you know, uh, and I only use this analogy because it's here in the text. Uh, let's say, for an example, somebody gets pulled over and they get written up for a DUI. What is that? Driving under the influence, right? We should all the time be guilty of an LUI, living under the influence, not of alcohol, but the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. It's what it says. Be filled, be under the control of the Holy Spirit. You see, when we are under the control of the Holy Spirit, then it is much easier for us to submit to God's plan because that is the way the Holy Spirit is leading us and moving us. The Holy Spirit will always lead us according to the principles of the Word of God. Always will lead us according to the principles. It isn't an issue of how is God leading me, folks. It's the issue of how am I following? He's leading. Am I following? 
Or am I going my own way because of one thing or another? Okay? So uh, he is leading us, he is moving us in a certain direction. Verse 19, it continues. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. These are indicative of a person who's tuned in to the Holy Spirit, who's walking in the Spirit, who's controlled by the Holy Spirit. These are, these are positive manifestations that the Holy Spirit is in control of the life. But it doesn't stop there. It continues, and look at it in verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. This is the issue of submission. Now you might say, well, wait a minute. It says one to the other. I thought the wife is supposed to be in submission. Well, she is, but she's not the only one. I'll explain what it means and how you submit according to the roles that God has given us. But let's break this down, okay? The first thing is this. The Lord has ordained the principle of submission. It is his divine principle for man to live by. It touches all areas of society and life. Let me say it again. The principle of submission touches all areas of society and life. That's why I said marriage is not just a social issue. It is a spiritual issue. It brings order to society. When there is submission... It brings order to society. It brings order to the marriage. It brings order to the family when there is submission. When there isn't submission, it brings chaos and hurt and pain. And rebellion is the result and then the results of that. Now again, it is not exclusive to the home or marriage relationship, but it does exist in the marriage and the home relationship. The key to a successful marriage is that both the husband and the wife are in submission, listen, to God's plan for them in the relationship. The husband and wife are in submission to God's plan for them, both of them, in the marriage relationship. You see, God has designed us. God cannot make a mistake and he wants to bless us, but all of this only comes through submission to God's plan. Submission, submission, submission. Now today, that gets people riled. That gets people upset. And let me be blunt. Do you know why it gets them upset? One of two reasons. Either they don't understand it, and they've got a false idea of it, which the false idea would get me upset. Or they're in rebellion. And they don't like the idea of anybody telling them what to do and how to behave and how to live. And I think that second one is probably the bigger of the two. Now, what does submission mean? The word submission means to be subordinate or under obedience. Boy, people hate that. Under obedience. Are you telling me I'm supposed to be under obedience? Yes, that's what the word submission means. Well, I don't like that. I didn't ask you if you liked it. Neither does God, by the way. He says, you want a happy home? You want a happy marriage? This is where it begins. Embracing the principle of submission. So the Lord has ordained the principle of submission. But secondly, we are all to be in submission to the Lord. We are all to be in submission to his plan for our 
lives. You see, submission, folks, is not an issue of becoming inferior or being inferior, but humble and obedient. Humble and obedient. Submission brings order and peace. In any institution, there needs to be a head. In government, you've got the president, okay? Is, and then you have the vice president. Is the vice president the head? No, he's the vice president. He is there to assist and to be with and to be a help to the president, okay? In a marriage relationship, you have the husband, you have the wife. Is the wife the head of the home? Well, functionally, in a lot of homes she is, but that's not right. It's the husband who's supposed to be the head of the home. The wife is there to be a helper to him, to help him be effective and to help manage the home and the family in the right God-honoring way. But there's only supposed to be one head. You take a corporation, a corporation has one head. There may be other people under, okay? But there's one head. You take the local church, there's one pastor. Now we've got assistant pastors in our church, but there's one pastor. If you had multiple ones with, with equal, lack of a better term, authority or leadership, then who do you go to? It's, it's confusion. It just breeds confusion. Whenever you have more than one head, it breeds confusion. If you saw a man with two heads, you'd say he was a monster. Let me tell you something. A marriage with two heads is a monster too. It's a problem, okay? The husband, now listen carefully, the husband is to submit to God's plan by being a loving leader in the marriage and the home. See, you thought I was going to say the husband is to be in submission to his wife and let her lead the family. No, that's not God's plan of submission in the marriage or in the family. Remember, both the husband and the wife, and by the way, when we get to the children, the children are to be in submission to God's plan for them in that relationship. In the marriage relationship, the husband is to submit to God's plan, and God's plan for him is to be the loving leader in the marriage and the home. He is to be loving, that means compassionate, caring, he's not a dictator, he's not mean-spirited, okay? But he is to be loving, Consider it, but he is to lead. Make no mistake about it. Both of those things are very important. One source says this, and by the way, it is a place of service to his wife and children. See, because to lead brings with it responsibility. It's not unbridled power. Remember, we all give an account to God for our actions. Headship is a means of service to other, one source says. That is its essential function. One who exercises headship must understand it, first of all, as a position from which to serve, okay? It is one of leading, protecting, providing, and caring for those under his leadership, okay? Leading, protecting, providing, and caring, for those under his leadership. That is a loving leader. He's leading, he understands he's responsible, he understands he has the final word, so to speak, but he understands I'm responsible before God and accountable before God on how I am going to fulfill this and how I'm going to take care of this. Hold your place here and look with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 
It says in verse 3, But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man, the man. And the head of Christ is God, okay? Now this doesn't mean these people are inferior to one another, but it's a difference of office and function, okay? Jesus is God, but his function is as the son, as the savior, okay? Not as the father. Now, getting back to Ephesians, remember, all of this is in balance by what the Lord's mission for the husband is, to love his wife as Christ loved the church. We'll talk more about that in the future weeks. But with authority also comes this responsibility. So what have we seen so far? The Lord has ordained the principle of submission. It means to be under obedience to, to be subordinate to. Secondly, we are all to be in submission to the Lord, depending on his plan for our office. Very, very important. But third... Let's start talking now about the wife. For a wife to be in submission to her husband does not mean she's inferior, but it does mean she's different. Now, some of you guys, watch it now. Amen. Yeah, my wife's different, all right. Okay. Well, so are you. I got news for you. We're all different. Okay. We're all different. Well, she's got flaws. Oh, I can tell you one of your flaws. You're self-righteous because you've got flaws too. Have you asked her lately? Probably not a good idea. If you're going to do it, wait till after church, okay? No civil wars in this building, okay? No, for a wife to be in submission to her husband doesn't mean she's inferior but different. She is to submit to her husband. There are two areas or two concepts I want you to understand today. These are so incredibly important. The first is this. She submits to her husband by first submitting to his leadership and following him. Submitting to his leadership and following him. Understanding God has ordained him as a leader of the home. Okay? Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22. It says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife even as or like Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Just like Christ is the head of the church, the husband is the head of the wife, okay? This brings order, this brings progress, this brings peace and joy in the way it's supposed to be. One man said this, talking about women, or two women, he says, another positive strategy for many a wife would be to defer more to her husband. And the writer was talking about conflicts in marriage and why there's conflicts. And it's this issue of a wife not being in submission to her husband and not respecting him as the leader in the marriage and in the home. More about respect in just a minute. Let me say it again. Another positive strategy for many a wife would be to defer more to her husband. I often hear many wives complain that their husbands are too disconnected and passive on family matters. But why is he passive? Quite likely in the past, every time he tried to step up to the plate, she had a better idea. After a while, he just let her have her way. 
If this could be your problem, submission, respect, and quietness will engage your husband and draw him out. Okay? How many of you understood what I just said? This is so important. Now listen, this is not pointing fingers. This will motivate. You might say, well, I still don't quite get it. Well, I'll tell you where this fits in, okay? The second responsibility of submission for a woman. Yes, number one, submitting to his leadership and following him, but secondly, respecting him. Respecting him. Can I tell you today, ladies, please listen, please listen. I'm not preaching at you. I'm caring for you and sharing with you something you've got to get. Respecting your husband is the greatest need he has. Might say, well, I thought it was. No, no, it's not that. Respecting your husband is the greatest need he has. If it wasn't, the Lord would not direct the wife to do it. And we see that in the Bible, and I'll show it to you in just a minute. Again, one author writes, ironically, if his wife gives him the respect he is looking for, he will back off and be less controlling. See, God has wired people differently. A wife's greatest need is love. A husband's greatest need is respect. If that is correct, everything flows. If it's not correct, there's problems. These are where the problems come up. With a woman, needs to be loved. With a man, needs to be respected. You might say, well, I love my husband. Do you respect your husband? He appreciates your love, but do you respect him? Or do you talk down to him? Do you fight him? Do you resist him? Do you wear him down to get your way? That is only hurting the relationship. (laughs) The greatest need of a husband is respect. The husband gave his wife a beautiful skunk coat (laughs) beside the Christmas tree. When his wife opened it up, she said, I can't see how such a nice coat can come from such a foul-smelling little beast. The husband said, I don't ask for thanks, but I do demand respect. (laughs) If you are to respect your husband, then there are certainly some areas you can do that. You might say, I cannot respect my husband. Now listen, if you can't respect your husband, and I say it in kindness, it is because you're self-righteous. No man is 100% to be not respected, okay? There is something, you may have to look. But you know, sometimes folks, that is an issue in marriage, whether it's the husband or wife, okay? We're looking at the wrong things in that person. All we're looking at are their flaws, we're not looking at their qualities. Is there not something in your husband that you can respect him for? Is he a a good fix-it man around the house? He might say, not my husband. Okay, maybe that's not his area. That's okay too. If he can't fix it, does he have the brains to call somebody who can? Respect him for the brains to not not try to fix plumbing that he can't fix to where your house is getting flooded because he was too stubborn. He was smart enough to say, oh, I'm not going there. I'm going to call somebody on this. Say to him, honey, you know what? I sure do respect you for making a wise decision on that. Think of the good areas. Tell him, I sure do respect you for this. I sure do respect you for that. Show him where you respect him, okay? The flaws, forget the flaws for now. Show him where you respect him. Some guys are great cooks. Some guys love 
to grill. They love to grill. They come in, you know, and they've got something. I mean, it's just perfect. He's, he's spent time on there. You say to him, you know what? I really, you do such a good job on this. I mean, it's fabulous. Why don't you cook all the meals from this point? No, I'm just kidding. Um, is he good with the kids? Is he kind to them? Is he thoughtful? Now, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But if he is, when's the last time you told him? When's the last time you said, you know what? I sure do respect you for the, for the uh, good job and the, the way you are with the kids. How about does he keep his word? Does he keep his word? Boy, that's a big one, isn't it? Maybe he maintains the house. And when I say maintains the house, not necessarily house cleaning per se, but if there's something that's not right, he fixes it, you know, does this, does that. Does he have integrity as a person? I didn't say, is he flawless? I said, does he have integrity? Okay. Encourage him. Encourage him in his leadership. When he makes a good decision, encourage him in that. Say, you know what? I sure do respect the decision you made on that. You know what happens? Men will rise up to the occasion. It kind of like that's, it stokes the fire. You might say, how do you know that? Because that's what the Bible says. The greatest need for man is to be respected. Where does it say that? I'm so glad you asked. Go back to your text. Look at Ephesians 5.33. It says, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. That's man's responsibility. More about that in the future. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. The word reverence means pay him due respect and honor. Okay? If you're always ripping on your husband, cutting him down, making fun of him, telling him he's no good, and all these kind of things, that is completely the opposite. I'm not saying lie. What I'm saying, though, is respect him. As a matter of fact, let me go further today. Something I've never said before, but I've, I've come to realize it to be true. When we talk about love, whether it's our children, whether it's our spouse, whoever it is, our love for people, I'll talk about husbands, your love for your wife should be unconditional love. If she fails, you still love her the same. If she this or that, you still love her. Now, I didn't say, I didn't say love and respect are always easy. Sometimes it's more challenging than other times, but that doesn't get us out from under the responsibility for it. Unconditional love, ladies, if you want unconditional love, how about this? How about give unconditional respect to your husband? Unconditional respect. Well, if he wants my respect, he's going to have to earn it. What if he said that to you? If you want my love, you're going to have to earn it. Where do we see the idea of conditional respect? I'm not saying respect can't grow. And certainly we're not saying love can't grow. Both can grow, and hopefully they do grow. But nevertheless, you respect unconditionally because that's what God said to do. It isn't that he deserves it any more than you deserve to be loved unconditionally. But we do it because that's what God says to do. Submitting to one another because it's the will of God. That's what the scriptures tell us. Ladies, if you want your husband to lead, the last thing he needs is for you to fight him on it. Don't fight him on leading. Or when he makes a mistake, criticize him and hassle him. We all make mistakes, including you, including me. 
No, encourage, be humble, be quick to forgive. Build them up to the children. Build them up to the children. Just an observation, okay? And I don't mean to embarrass anybody, but just an observation. I've noticed, like with, with Pastor Dave and Laura and their three kids, okay? When they come home, we're, we're over there, um, like as an example, on Wednesdays. Sue goes over in the afternoon to watch the kids because Pastor Dave and Laura are here doing learning solutions and, and music solutions till 5.30, okay? Well, then we have to be back at church at 7. So Sue is over there getting the meal together, watching the kids. I, Rhonda, Vue over there. We all eat together, and then we all come to church from there. This is kind of the pattern. At least it's working for now, okay? Wonderful. But you know what? It's such a blessing to us. We have the kids... Daddy and mommy come in the door from church. They come in and those kids just, now Aubrey doesn't do a lot of beelining to the door yet, okay? (laughs) But probably in her heart. But Addie and Landon, mommy, daddy, and they just run over to them and hug them and mommy and daddy are so eager to see them and and love them and all that. But that, that good relationship that is there, okay? And let's say mommy's not home, but, but, or mommy is home, and then daddy comes later, and they, they run over, okay? And they're so excited to see him. If she is cutting him down to them, now they may not get it at this age, but sooner or later, you know what it's going to do? It's going to notch things down, that respect, that love, that, that desire to be with that person. Listen, we want to have happy homes, Let's make them that way, right? Let's make them that way. It's the way it should be. Encourage one another. If you're going to talk about your spouse to your children, make it positive. You might say, well, he's got flaws or she's got flaws. Yeah, we all do. So how's it going to help the family if you bring up the flaws to the children? It's not. What will help the family is if you encourage them about the good qualities that that person has. Very important. Ladies, listen, and I'm, I'm just sharing these things with you today because I have a heart for your family and for you, okay? Family is a very emotional thing, isn't it? Very emotional. It can either be the joy of your life or the scourge of your life. You are there to help your husband be the man of God he needs to be. You are a help meet. You are a helper fit for your husband. Okay? That is a calling for you in your life. That is a God-ordained assignment for you. It's not a bad thing. It can be a wonderful thing. And can I tell you this? While you may not be the head of your home, it is a very powerful position of influence in his life. Because you could destroy him or help him be a giant for God. That's the issue of respect. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Number four, when a wife obeys her husband, she is obeying God, for God is the one who told her to obey her husband. Now, this is so simple, but it's so profound. Let me say it again. When a wife obeys her husband, she is obeying God, because God is the one who told her to obey her husband. See, this takes much of the emotion out of the difficult situations. You live by the principle. You don't live by the emotion of the moment. You live by the principle of it. 
One writer said this, one woman, he was talking about a woman who teaches other women. He said, one woman who teaches other women said this, I believe that ultimately a refusal to submit to or respect your husband is a refusal to trust in God. If we as women believe that God is working in our lives and in our husband's lives, and we can place ourselves under his authority, then we can submit to and respect our husbands. You can do it if you believe in God's plan and that he's working in your home. Goes on. It's easier to serve your mate if you envision your loving Lord rather than your flawed spouse. Picture doing it for Jesus. The imposition then becomes an honor. Do it for Christ. I say, I can't, I, I, just, I can't. We've got so much friction in our, in our marriage. I, I just can't do it. You can do it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can do it. Now, we haven't even got to the husbands, and I understand that. Okay. Somebody may hear this, or you might be here today, or somebody may watch this and say, boy, he sure is one-sided. He's a chauvinist and all this kind of, kind of stuff. Listen, we're not done with this. We're not done with marriage. Talking about it. Keep listening. In what areas is a wife to submit? Leads us to number five. She is to submit to his leadership in every area with one exception. That exception is this. If the husband wants her to do something that is wrong, contrary to the word of God, she is to obey God rather than man. Now, I know there are some quote-unquote Christian groups or teachers who disagree with that, all right? The principle is clearly in Scripture. There is a place. Now, there's a right way to disobey, and there's a wrong way to disobey. But really, when you're obeying God rather than man, you're not disobeying, you're obeying. Because God is the ultimate authority, and he is the one we're responsible to ultimately. So you obey God. If you have to object, if you have to stand, if you have to contradict, you do it with humility. And your appeal should be this way. You know, honey, I want to be a good wife. I want to submit to your leadership, but I'm a Christian. I cannot go against the word of God. Now, make sure it's a clear thing, not just your opinion, okay? Now, that doesn't come up all the time. It comes up seldom, but it does come up at times. Ephesians 5, 24, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So she is to submit in all areas except those that would go contrary to the word of God. And we see that principle many places in scripture where the authority said to do something that was a violation of the word of God and the believers went with the word of God, not with the authority. And they did it usually with the right attitude, but nevertheless, they obeyed God rather than man. By the way, folks, you know, you understand that may come to America one day for us where we have to say, I'm going to obey God rather than man. And it's happening in some quarters. Now, what if your spouse is not desiring to follow God's plan? What if he's lost? He's not even saved. What if he's carnal? He's saved, but he's living like he's lost. Now, we're going to take that up in detail in a later message. But for now, let me say this. The answer is this. Fulfill your role by living a godly life and be supportive as much as you can. Fulfill your role by living a godly life and be supportive as much as you can. Where is that in scripture? Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're not going to spend a lot of time in it because we'll spend more time on it in the future. 
But it says this in verse 1, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, that could be either a lost man or a carnal man, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word or without a word be won, won over by the conversation. And the, the word, this is unfortunate. The word conversation in the King James very seldom means talk. As a matter of fact, here it means just the opposite because you're doing it without a word. The word conversation means your manner of life or your lifestyle, the way you're living your life. The way you win your husband over is by being in subjection to him, doing what he says, okay, letting him lead is what I'm getting at, and then being quiet and living a godly life and let him see Christ in you. That if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wise while they behold your chaste conversation, your pure conversation, lifestyle, coupled with what? Fear. Now the idea isn't that you're shuddering towards your husband. This is the same word that's translated as respect. The idea of respect or reverence. Okay? In other words, you're respecting him, you're reverencing him because that is what God says to do. That is what God said he wants you to do. Who's adorning, okay? Let it not be the outward adorning of the plating of hair or wearing a gold or putting on a fine apparel. Now that doesn't mean that you can't do any of these things, but that's not your main attraction. That's not your main thing, okay? But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. Meek having to do with humility, humble and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. God's way is the same. See, it's not situation ethics. It's what saith the Lord. What does God say on this issue? Okay. Now, let me take you over to Romans chapter 3. So the way if, and, and I've counseled many situations like that, and I've said to the wife, if your husband is going to be won over, it will be through you living a godly life and respecting him and being in submission. If he's going to be won over. Listen, some, some husbands won't be won over. But if he's going to be, that's how you do it. You don't have civil war. Takes two people to argue, right? Person who just argues with themselves kind of looks like a fool. Don't argue. Romans 3 verse 23. See, we're all sinners, aren't we? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's why we need a savior. That is why Jesus came. The wages of sin is death. If we are to pay for our own sin, we would die and spend forever separated from God in hell. Look up here. Look up here. This hand representing you and me and my wallet representing our sin. We're all sinners. By the way, that's why marriages have problems because there's two sinners coming together. God loves us. He hates our sin. Our sin separates us from the Lord. To get to heaven, you have to be sinless. And none of us are. We're sinners. Therefore, we are disqualified. If we die with our sin, we'll be lost forever in hell. Okay? Now, religion comes along and says, oh, good works will take care of it. No, heaven's a perfect place. We're not. So then you could do all the good works you want. It won't take away the sin. The sin has to be gone. 
That's why the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're not saved by works. We're saved by the grace of God through faith in Christ. Because there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. God so loves us. He says, you know what? I want you to live with me in heaven. I love you so much. I don't want you to be lost. And he took on flesh, Jesus Christ. And when Jesus went to the cross, he took our sin upon himself and he made the complete payment for sin. All the sin you've done till the day you die, all paid for through the blood of Christ. He was buried, came back from the dead. And the Bible says, if you will put your faith in him, he will give you the gift of eternal life. Salvation's a gift. It's not by works. It's not by religion. It's not by commitment. It's not by self-reformation. It's not by confessing all your sins. You could not remember all your sins. You'll never be saved that way. No, you're saved through faith in Christ alone. If you've never trusted him, would you trust him today? Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.